Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. What's up, everybody? The new year is here. It's happening. It's 2022, and time is still a construct, so 2022 doesn't really matter or mean anything. Um, I love New Year's, but every year it's a reminder about how this is the arbitrary time we've decided to celebrate the next cycle of days and months, and it seems a little silly to me. Um, But I still do love New Year's, but for the same reason that I love Memorial Day and Thanksgiving, I love it for the food and for hanging out with people, playing some card games, that that type of thing. Um, But another year is another reminder that bad things don't care what year it is. (laughs) Bad things that are happening around us, they have not consulted the calendar to you know, keep coming or maybe I'll wait until next year because that's too many in one calendar year. They don't care. Bad things are going to keep happening. They happened last year. They will happen this year and every year to come. And good things will hopefully happen too. I hope you're feeling uplifted tonight. Despite me not believing in years, um, January is a time that it makes it easy to reflect, makes it easy for us to, you know, this is the time that our culture has decided. January is when we buy our new calendars. Just kidding. The one on my phone goes on forever. Um, So this is when people take this time. This is when we celebrate the changing of the year. And it it makes me look back, even though the years don't mean anything. It makes me look back and reflect on the year that I've had. And um, to look back on how I've spent the past 365 and one quarter days. 2021 was not very kind to me. 2021, um, Sam and I both had COVID this year or this past year. I went to three funerals of very close family members this past year, um, had some family conflicts, some health issues, lots of painful things. It wasn't all bad, uh, but it's nice in some way to say goodbye to some things that happened, to, to like a marker that, that distances me from some of those things. I think we all need a new start in some way at some times. We all need to be able to move on from our past, take a moment to reset and, and, and look forward. And like, this is the time that I'm going to set around, set aside to look forward. And hopefully we can look forward with optimism and hope and good vibes only. Sometimes, um, during this year, I'm reminded as I, as I think about the hope of the future, I'm reminded that like being a Jesus follower is like all about hope. It's all about that positive, that, that hope of things to come. It's about redeeming broken things. It's about resurrection. It's about life. It's about new life specifically. So tonight I'm stealing a phrase that I've been hearing for years. And that is the phrase new year, new me. That's what we're talking about. Uh, new year, new me. And uh, it's, it's a phrase I use uh, sarcastically all the time, <laughs> just around this time of year. It's a new year. So it, uh, with a new year comes a new me. And we are going to talk about how God can make you new this year specifically. Let's do that. We talked about a guy named Paul in this room before. And Paul was a man who had his life dramatically turned around by God and became an influential leader in the early church. He planted churches. He mentored leaders. He was a a missionary. He wrote most of the New Testament. And one of those books in the New Testament that he wrote was a letter that he wrote to Christians in the city called Corinth. We call that letter Corinthians. So the Christ followers in Corinth had some issues because Corinth was known as a city of debauchery. It was a city of sin all over the place, crazy worship practices, all kinds of crazy things going on in that city. And the new Christ, the new Jesus followers in that city 
had some issues as well because instead of leaving all of that behind, they were looking, they were asking questions and looking for ways to integrate their old messed up paths, pasts into their new life following Jesus. How can we have both of these things were kind of the questions they were asking Paul. So this is one of the things that Paul said in his, his response letter, which is 2 Corinthians, uh, probably the fourth letter he wrote to the city of Corinth, to the, ch- to the churches there. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, this means, following Jesus, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. This is a very absolute statement. (laughs) There's not room for wiggle room or, you know, trying to keep some of the old stuff. This is not like the old life is gone. The old life is not adjusted or tweaked. The old life is gone. It's the end of something and the beginning of something totally different. So tonight, as we enter a new year, we're going to talk about that, about how God makes us new, how a new life really begins. And he gives us a new life. So I'm going to talk about specifically how God gives us a new present, past, and future. So when you give your life to Jesus, when you decide to follow him, he gives you a new present. And now some of that new present is a gift and some of it is a challenge. So let's start with a gift. The moment you decide to put your faith in Jesus and follow him, he gives you the gift of salvation, which means eternal life with him after we die. It means uh, abundant life, which means supported, safe, taking care of life on earth. He gives us that gift, the gift of grace and his power and presence on our side. So we don't have to be like ashamed of our weaknesses. Like we can look back on our weakness, the way that we are messed up and say, God still loves me. God still cares for me, even though I'm messed up. Paul said this later in that same letter uh, to the Corinthian church. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul says, I've got all kinds of weaknesses and I love talking about them because it shows how big my God is. So I can give up on trying to be the best. I can give up on trying to be the most popular. I can give up on trying to be the most accomplished because now what really matters is what God does through me. And I don't know about you, but that is a huge relief to me. (laughs) Personally, my personality, that is a big relief to me. That's the gift. Along with that relief, along with that gift is a challenge to live a new and better life. If the old life is gone, right? Something's gone. Something's dead. Something's past. And now I have a challenge to live a new life. Jesus has made us new and he expects us to be different. He's given us a higher calling. So our sin divides us from him And that's, we don't want that. We want to be connected with him. So we put a life of sin behind us and we start a life devoted to him, given to him, following him. So the challenge is to live a life that's his. He doesn't leave us alone to do that. He helps us to get there. We'll talk more about that when we talk about our new future. But before we get there, let's look backwards. Because when we put our faith in God, we have this new present, this gift of salvation. But it gives us a new past too, or if you like, a new purpose for our past um, because he does not actually change the events of our past, obviously. Uh, I'm resisting the urge to use a Spider-Man illustration here because it seems still off limits to talk about. Um, But even though Jesus does not take our past away, he totally renews it, he redeems it, he works through it. I think Timon puts it best. So, where are you from? Who cares? I can't go back. Ah, you're an outcast. 
That's great. So are we. What'd you do, kid? Something terrible, but I don't want to talk about it. Good. We don't want to hear about it. Come on, Timon. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. You know, kid, in times like this, my buddy Timon here says you gotta put your behind in your past. No, no, uh, no. I mean... Amateur, lie down before you hurt yourself. It's you gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong! When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Well, that's not what I was taught. Then maybe you need a new lesson. Repeat after me. <coughs> Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. We don't have the time. I'm so sorry. I know you wanted it. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so rude. So rude. I, I, I think this is just put so perfectly here. Um, you got to... Hakuna Matata, you got to put your behind in the past. What's funny about Timon and Pumbaa, um, which I didn't really realize until I started thinking about how it applies here. Uh, I kind of English majored this, this uh, situation. The exact thing that Timon is teaching Simba not to do is what Timon and Pumbaa are doing. Like they're claiming that the life that they're living is putting their past behind them, but they're both on the run because of their past. They're literally, their lives are devoted to their past. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They're being held hostage by their past. And guess what? I do that. And so do you. We get held hostage by our past. It's easy to let our past define us. And it's easy to look back at the things we've done and say, God doesn't want someone that did that. How could I ever be good enough? God doesn't want someone that had that done to them or that went through that. How could I ever be cleansed from that? And like, that is not what God teaches, what Jesus teaches. That's not what this is about at all. It's that logic can rob us of the life that God wants for us. It can rob us of peace and hope and joy, the good things, the love that God wants for us. It robs us when we let our passage take us hostage. We can look back at the things we've done, at the person that we have been, and be convinced of the lie that that's all we are. I lied so all I can be is a liar. I stole, so all I can be is a thief. I overreacted, so all I can be is someone with a bad temper. I sinned, so all I can be is a sinner. And that is a lie. That is a lie that will keep you in that bad place, that will hold you hostage. Remember, Jesus' whole thing is hope. It's all about redeeming and overcoming. He came back from the dead. Don't forget that. He wants to bring you back from the dead as well. That is what he wants. Paul knew a thing or two about a checkered past. He was, uh, before Jesus got a hold of him, he was a religious leader um, that was hunting down and murdering Christ's followers. This is a big deal. This was a big term. Jesus spoke to him and he switched sides entirely. But even when he switched sides, like a lot of damage had been done, right? Like he had already done a lot of things. He already had a reputation as a person against Jesus. So when he switched sides, people were skeptical. His past followed him and all through his ministry, it came up, he talked about it. He said, I am the sinner among sinners. I am the chief among sinners. And that's why God chose him. He chose somebody with a checkered past to prove something. God chose him, chose Paul, used Paul to show us he can use anybody, to show us that he can use me and he can use you. 
That was on purpose. Paul wrote to another church in the city of Philippi in a book called Philippians. Philippians 3, he said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. When he says forgetting the past, that is not not learning from the past, disregarding the past. That's, that's not what that is. So don't hear something he's not saying. Paul had done some crazy stuff though. He had done some, he'd been used by evil in a really, really big way. And, and following Jesus helped him to let go of his past and not let his fat past hold him hostage. He remembered who he was in Jesus, in Christ, a new man, a new creation. So for you, I want you to know that the best is yet to come. Believe that. When you follow Jesus, the best is yet to come. Speaking of what is to come, when we decide to put our faith in God, he gives us a new future. He transforms our present, he sanctifies our past, and he gives us a new future. I don't know, I don't know for sure what my life would have been like without giving it to Jesus. I have some ideas, though, um, that I would be trying really, really hard at doing something that I didn't really know what it was. I would just, I wouldn't have like meaning or purpose. I wouldn't know, like I would work really hard and I would probably work myself to exhaustion, but not really know what I was working hard for. I would be self-obsessed. I'm certain I'd be selfish. And uh, I would put all my hope in what I could accomplish, how much money I could make, and me, 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 me. But God changed me and I thank him for that. He got a hold of me. He changed, he, he gave me a new future when I gave my life to him, when I decided to follow him. And now I have eternal life with him. After death, I have abundant life until then. And in order to do that, I put my faith in him. I follow him. Now, I talk a lot about following Jesus. I said it a hundred times today. I use it a lot. Um, you might notice I don't use the word Christian a lot. Um, and that is on purpose. And that's because people have been using that word for a really long time to mean a lot of different things, which makes it confusing. And so when I say that word Christian, there's like a million different definitions. Um, so I've gotten into the habit of using the word Jesus follower, because I think that's less ambiguous, because being a Christian can be a family thing, can be a culture thing. Well, we're down south, we're all Christians. And somebody listening on the podcast is very offended by that, so I, so I apologize. Um, it can be like a thing that doesn't really matter when you say that. It's just a, a thing people say. But when I say I'm a Jesus follower, I think that's just like a little less uh, ambiguous. I, th I think it, it says that I've given my life to him. When I say I'm a Jesus follower, I mean that I believe Jesus was right about everything. I believe him, that he was the son of God, that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross, that he came back to life, that he predicted his own death and resurrection. <laughs> and because of that, I believe everything he said. I believe it all, that he was right about everything. So I model my life after him. That's what following Jesus is about. I model my life after his. I try to do the things he said to do. I try not to do the things he said not to do. I treat people and care for people. I try to the way that he did. And I don't do this stuff because I come from a family of Christians and that's just what we do. I do it because I think Jesus was right about everything. So I've given him control. I've given him lordship of my life. When people say they've made Jesus their Lord and Savior, like I think there's two things there. I, I've Savior, I let him save me. I, I've accepted the gift of salvation, but I also make him my Lord. Like I give him control of my life. I'm devoted to following him, letting him call the shots. He's in the driver's seat. So I would encourage you to ask yourself, if you've made this commitment, and I, and I hope you would consider it, to follow Jesus, 
what would it look like for me to follow Jesus? What would that mean? How would that impact my life? Here's some answers that I know are true. If you were to follow Jesus, you would let him into your entire life, not just your Wednesday nights. You would respect and honor your parents. You would be honest at home, at school, in your life, life, all the time. You would engage in your church community. You would take care of people that don't have people. You would reach out to the rejected. Ultimately, you would model your life after Jesus and you would give him everything. You'd follow him. One time, Paul was visiting the city of Corinth and he wrote a letter to another church, the Christians in Rome. And in Romans 12, he said, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Here's, this is the key here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who's calling the shots? Are the customs of the world calling the shots? Do you model your life after what you see on TV or Instagram or TikTok or whatever? Or do you model your life after Jesus? Who are you following? Because God wants to transform you into a new person, a new life, a new future. God wants you to have that. And in order to have that, you have to give everything to him. Surrender control of your life. There was a musician in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. His name is Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. You probably never heard of him but he is a musical legend. Um, one of his album was on a list of 100 records that changed the world. Many of his songs are archived in the Library of Congress, a big deal. People, uh, many artists have mentioned him as their inspiration, artists like John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash. I hope you know at least one of those names. Um, and if you don't, you probably know, this land is your land. This land is my land. That was Woody Guthrie. He um, was a journaler, I guess, at some point in his life. And we have a journal of his, and here's actually a picture of a, an excerpt full of doodles. And um, at the very top, there was a stain. And he wrote on that stain, middle of the book, which I think is, talks about his character. I don't know. Um, not his character, but his personality. I, I find him interesting. So here's a picture of that journal. In 1942, Woody listed some of his New Year's resolutions. Take bath. <laughs> Wear clean clothes. Look good. <laughs> Wear clean clothes, dash, look good. <laughs> Wash teeth if any. <laughs> change socks. It's crazy how much things have changed since 1942, um, although some in the room would be smart to adopt some of those as well. But uh, there are some others on this list that I think are timeless that we could learn from in the year 2022. Save money. Be happy. Read more books. Lose weight. Love more. And my favorite of the bunch, wake up and fight. Um, I know some people that that do the resolution thing, and some people that don't, and I get that. But I think January is as good a time as any to pause and reflect and to take inventory on what your life looks like, to organize your goals and figure out how you want to grow in the next year. So as you decide to put your faith in God, let him sanctify your present, redeem your past, give you a new future. It's important we circle back to this question that I want you to think on. What would it look like this year for me to follow Jesus? And more specifically, what do I need to do this year to follow Jesus better? What can I change, add, 
remove, do? What, how, how can I follow, how can I model my life after Jesus in this next year? It might be pray more. It might be read your Bible more. We talk about it as your 10 and 10, 10 minutes in scripture in the Bible, 10 minutes in prayer every single day, 10 and 10. Maybe it's uh, to distance yourself from a toxic friend group. It might be to raise some money for Speed of the Light to help people all over the world hear about Jesus. It might be to invite a friend or a cousin or a neighbor to Apex. I can't say exactly what you should focus on in this very moment, but I do hope that you're listening to God and asking God about that, asking God that question to speak to you and guide you through the answer to that question. Tonight, we're going to continue a long-standing Apex tradition. Some of you are doing it for the first time. Um, some of you have done it for many, many years. Um, we are going to write letters to our future selves. We're going to write letters to our future selves. If you wrote one last year, just so you know, they're going out in the mail this week, the end of this week, so you'll get them probably before next Wednesday, but if not, shortly after that, so get ready. Um, but tonight, we're going to spend some time talking to God and then writing a letter to ourselves one year in the future. So in that letter, I want you to set some spiritual goals for yourself. Um, some of those things, just for some examples, are going to be very concrete. Um, you want to be in the habit. By the end of the year, I want to be in the habit of doing 10 and 10 at least five days a week. I want to be uh, consistently doing that. You want to have invited 10 friends to Apex um, or something like that. What other things might be a little more abstract. Something might be more abstract, like you want to be more mature in some way. Um, you want your friend group to look different. You want to be more positive or have a different outlook or something like that. What exactly you write is up to you and it's between you and God. But um, I, have inc I include some phrases to kind of guide you. So start your letter with the phrase, dear future me, dear future me. And as you write, complete the sentence, by now you have. So dear future me, by now you have made this consistent habit or uh, done this thing that I believe God has called me to do. Whatever that, however you end that sentence is between you and God. Um, but you're setting an expectation that in the span of this year, when this year's over, you're going to be different. You are going to have given Jesus your life in some new way. You've begun a journey of following him more closely. And before you start scribbling in that letter there, um, we're going to set some time aside. And in this time, I want you to pray and talk to God about it. And ask him what he wants you to do in the next year. Ask him um, who he wants you to be by the end of the year. Ask him how he wants you to change how you spend your money or your time. Ask him how he wants you to uh, spend more time with some people, less time with some people. Those are just a couple examples. But talk to him about it. Pray about it. And then after you've done that, you can use those phrases, which I'll keep up on the screen, to write your letter. Before we get there, I want to warn against uh, a temptation because I don't want you to be afraid when you give God everything that you're going to be losing something. I think that that can be a temptation. When we say give everything, it sounds like, but wait, I, I wanted that. Um, losing control of your life sounds very scary at first. And honestly, there's not like really words I could say that's going to like make that make sense until you do it. But what I want you to know is that it worked out for me. He's been very good to me. This room is full of people who, who can say, I've given my life to Jesus. And he's been very good to, to me. People throughout history, um, from Abraham all the way to John, uh, that was Genesis to, uh, to Revelation, but didn't land very well. People throughout history, people in this room, He's been good to us. He's been good to them. And so I, I kind of want 
to encourage you to take a risk. And I think that as you pray, you're going to feel that it's safe. You're going to feel God speak to you about how that is an okay thing to do. He has not made my life perfect, but throughout life's imperfections, he's been with me. That's a promise that God has for his people. So don't be afraid of giving him everything. I've heard it put this way, if it helps. Let go and let God. That's helped me. It's scary when you start, but I hope you trust me when I say it's worth it. It's worth giving him everything. It's worth following him and, and giving up the control of your life and letting him have it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this group, for every person that you have here that you've ordained to be here to hear this and to engage with you in this way. God, I ask that you would... Um, speak to us tonight and that you would help us to give you our present, to, to accept that gift of salvation, make a decision to put our faith in you. I ask you would help us to give you our pasts and let you redeem them and, and be reminded of the ways you've been faithful and that we don't like forget about the events of our past, but we don't let them hold us hostage either. That we don't live our life in response to the past. We live our life in response to you and the future you have for us. So God, I ask that you would help transform our future and that you would lead us and guide us, help us to be more like you. Tonight, as we write these letters, I ask that you would speak clearly tonight to students and to adults in the room that are writing these letters. I ask that you would help us to know very clearly what you'd have us do in this next year, God. I thank you for how you're speaking, how you will be faithful in this year. We love you. We dedicate it to you. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Jesus.